Welcome to the podcast. Uh, my name is Robert Williams. I work with DLT here, and with me, we have Brian Waltermeyer. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, Brian Waltermeyer. I'm the CEO, founder of DLT Alert. We're a cyber warranty company that embeds directly with leading IT services and leading blockchains and AI platforms to produce a um, auto-adjudicated, if you will, claim to get our customers paid out with, within minutes, if not hours, um, when there is an issue. And that really kind of helps either replace um, or supplement full cyber insurance policies. So there's, there's a big gap in the market there. A lot of small, medium businesses aren't getting the coverage they need. It's becoming more difficult for them to actually have policies, full cyber policies underwritten for them. We could talk about that, but um, yeah. So we're addressing small, medium businesses with a very bespoke level of warranty and um, some really cool tech behind it. Awesome. So you say you want to get people payout in minutes. That seems way faster than typical insurance companies function. Yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of how, how did you get into this, this kind of the headspace, the idea of wanting to have people get these payouts faster? Yeah, sure. Well, it, it's pretty cool because <clears throat> first of all, who doesn't want money faster, right? Right. But for, for small, medium businesses, the, uh, the, the big difference between a small, medium business and a larger enterprise is a large enterprise usually has access to capital markets, has access to lines of things like lines of credit, has larger you know balance sheets and savings accounts. Um, they have larger amounts of money at their disposal, essentially, mm-hmm. where the small, medium business might run a little bit closer to the uh, cash flow line where cash matters a lot more on a day to day basis to make payroll, rent, things like that. So when a large enterprise is hit, they can afford to wait three, six months or longer for a a cyber policy or any other type of insurance to pay out. Where the small and medium business, they could be shut down. And that money that comes in three to six months is almost meaningless to them because the business is gone. The customers weren't able to get support or the personnel weren't able to be paid, et cetera. Rent wasn't made and the business just collapses. So small medium business need money in near immediate terms. And that became evident to us from working in the space um, through a managed service company. And we really like to integrate technologies and look at new technologies. That's, that's kind of the founding team's background. And, uh, you know, at the confluence of blockchain and some AI tech, we're able to actually facilitate a near immediate payout that's with validations of the incident. So gone are the days of reporting and digging through things and multiple phone calls with your uh, claims adjuster, waiting, 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 asking for more information, waiting. Um, most people can probably relate to this more in the car insurance space, but it's, right. it's the same, if not a worse experience in cyber insurance because it's, um, it's highly technical and there's just less people who kind of know what's going on. But but yes, by leveraging blockchain technology, we're able to validate on multiple levels and receive payment from our reinsurer in near immediate terms, and then release those funds in like terms to clients, which is very appealing. 
Well, that sounds like a great benefit to a lot of people. So what, um, was there a catalyst that kind of gave you this idea of, um, maybe a, maybe a, uh, event or something that you witnessed or something you experienced that kind of drove to this idea of being able to get, you know, clients, their payouts faster. Is there, you know, dive a little bit into that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, on the, on the practical business side, you know, we have worked at an MSP managed service provider for quite a while. And there are clients there who occasionally get hit with cyber attacks, ransomware attacks, malware. And we've dealt with those issues from a technical side as all, and also from like a consulting side, helping facilitate information flow and validations between our clients and their cyber insurance carriers. And the slowness, the uh, just lack of technical knowledge in the space really created a lot of <laughs> just breakdowns and, and costs on both sides, right? So slowness costs the business money because they're not back to full speed. And, you know, you might think the insurance carrier benefits in some way, but, but they're really not, right? They're having to go research these things, get legal to, you know, comment on things, dispatching paperwork. It's a, uh, you know, it, it often <clears throat> can take 30, 60% of the cost of the claims and operational uh, expenses to, to do this validation process. And we've gone through that process many, many times at different levels with clients on the managed service company side. And it became evident that, well, this is a big pain point. Mm -hmm. This is a big cost center for both the business, the client and the insurance company. And how could that be remedied? Around the same time that we started seeing these attacks, it was really, really around COVID. There was a giant spike in zero-day attacks mm -hmm. that uh, you know came as largely as a result of you know employees going working remotely, not having the right security protocols in place, and, and just everything happening as fast as it did. And then you know the nefarious actors, you know, seizing the day, if you will, and uh, and True. looking to capitalize on that. So that was on the, on the, on the business practical side. And at the same time, I really became familiar, um, as many, most people were trapped in their house, um, watching <laughs> videos and learning things, um, about the latest web three platforms. And as a, uh, you know, technologist, it was very interesting to me personally. And I started to understand that you could have a high level of validation, a high level of expediency to validate and through decentralized networks, things called oracles, which are uh, like they sound, it's a, it's a trusted data source through these frameworks, validations can happen very quickly and be trusted. And when you mix that in with the blockchain um, creation of a block where data becomes an immutable state, now you can have transparency and that that data can be used through automation to facilitate other processes and it can be trusted because it's transparent it's been validated the validation has come through decentralized oracle networks etc so begin to put that framework together on the technology side and couple that with what we were experiencing on the practical business side and it seemed like it was a viable opportunity and lo and behold a couple of years later here we are and we have a fully functioning platform of servicing some customers so 
pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, sounds like an exciting and a, a wonderful technology. So, to put it succinctly, you're eliminating the he said she said component of insurance and the downtime of insurance having to investigate any sort of things that happened, especially when it comes to cyber. By linking these technologies Absolutely, together, yeah. you're easing the insurance's job of just being able to just simply know if something was or was not an incident. So right. that's, and, I mean, and, that's great. And what I'd add to that is, you know, cyber policy can be very broad and mm -hmm. require a lot of validation, paperwork, interviews, consultants, forensics analysis. And that, that you, know, you can't always replace the entire human element required to do those things. But when you write coverage, that can be embedded in a way into a technology architecture, like I just explained with the blockchain and the Oracle networks and um, API data feeds, then you can begin to eliminate the need for a lot of that, that human support and just work with the data itself, which if you're working with the data source itself, you can trust it more than someone's interpretation of it. It's like the game of telephone, right? right? The more people it touches, the higher the chance it's going to change. Mm -hmm. So with this, we're looking at direct data feed, direct validation, and then a you know, third, fourth party validation, et cetera. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we've seen eliminate 100% of operational claims expenses. And, you know, but to be clear, it comes down to the actual coverage that mm -hmm. is being um, implemented in this process. So. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, again, the technology is just sounding like a benefit to all involved. Um, so just yeah. one last question here for this, for this episode here, uh, just, just all these things and integrating all these technologies and these APIs it sounds like there might've been some hurdles. Like, so what, what sort of challenges did you face coming into kind of from the ground up wanting to like having this idea versus actually talking to developers and getting it rolling? Like, did, were there any major challenges? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we could do another segment on that, but uh, you know, at the highest level, I would say, the biggest limitation is, is I'm, I'm a good architect of solutions, but I'm not a, an engineer and I don't have all of the blockchain capabilities that an engineer or developer has. So <clears throat> there's not a lot of those guys out there mm -hmm. at this moment that that field is definitely growing, but web three is such a new, I, I'd say web three development in itself is such a nascent industry. And, and Web3 being applied in the way that we're doing it, it, it's even smaller and newer. So it's just a very limited amount of people who actually know how to put, you know, pen to paper type of situation. Mm -hmm. So although I was able to architect this and draw it and, you know, a lot of people were excited about it, it's, uh, you know, making it practical and functional was really the biggest challenge. And uh, fortunately, working with people like yourself and some some of our, our developers mm -hmm. they're able to interpret uh, my direction well which i really appreciate and uh um you know it's a high level is just taking the concept and, and putting it in to work 
which is, you know, I guess any entrepreneur's challenge is uh, everyone's got great ideas, but they aren't worth anything unless you, unless it actually turns into something. Right. But this is just very, very early stage technologies, but robust in a way that's almost unusual for something at, at this stage, um, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, if you look back at blockchain, I, I'm sorry, Bitcoin, uh, 2009, it's, it's kind of leaked out and people have been testing it and trying to, you know, break it down in, in various formats since then. And now here we are 2023 and you see large banks, large asset managers, the largest uh, financial transactional institutions in the world are now starting to adopt some features of Bitcoin. Maybe they're actually uh, holding Bitcoin, mining Bitcoin, like Fidelity as back in a company that's doing that. Uh, Bank of New York Mellon is talking about asset tokenization for some of their assets. DTC, which is the number one um, equities clearinghouse, uh, mm -hmm. four quadrillion in, in total clearing dollars last year, looking to um, tokenize. And so you see that you know, over 14 years, not a lot of time, that the biggest money managers, asset managers, financial institutions in the world are now dipping their feet into here in a real way and adding a lot of credibility to this on the financial side. So for us, we know it works. We know there's a high level of trust. It's just not widely known or spoken about. And that's one thing I'm looking forward to in these podcasts is really starting to shed some light on practical usage of this other than just, hey, I bought some Bitcoin or I made a thousand percent on this other Dogecoin or whatever, and then I lost it. You know, that, that type of stuff is, you know, gets a lot of attention, but we're more interested in the practicality of the technology and, and how we can apply it as any technology, it, you know, helps to create new industries and improve old ones, which is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely great. I mean, I know the, the crypto coin market at this point is essentially just like trading stocks. There's just so many, different types of coins out there, but actually using the technology behind that, that's definitely a, as you yeah, mentioned, a, a up right. and coming uh, field. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like being a game designer in the seventies and eighties. Like, what is that? What are video games? We don't know what those are. And now there's entire schools dedicated oh. to it. So, you know, may, maybe, uh, maybe in 20 or 30 years, we'll have, you know, Bitcoin uh, degrees you can buy, but I think that will about wrap it up for our first episode here. So Great. thank you for joining us uh, on our realm and thank you for listening and uh, stay tuned for our next episode, which will be coming soon. Yeah. I hope, I hope that was useful information and uh, I appreciate the time, Robert, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Always. Thank you.